hour number two of the John and Leah show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Each Sunday we get together, we talk about the news of the week, the events of our often bizarre lives, and we do so in an entertaining, informative, and unique fashion. Still two hours left to go. In hour number three, you'll definitely want to catch an interview, an hour-long interview with one of our favorite people, one of our very few guests we ever have on this program, Cyrus Narasta, the writer and director of the brand-new big-picture movie, The Young Messiah, which is going to be coming out in the next couple of weeks. Uh, Obviously, this is Academy Awards night, and we'll talk a little bit about that as well. But Cyrus Narasta, the writer of The Path to 9-11 which was the subject of my very first documentary film, will be One joining us. One of the us best in, films ever made. The Path to 9-11, absolutely. Um, and you cannot see it anywhere. You cannot uh, get it on DVD. ABC has never rebroadcast the miniseries, no. The Path to 9-11. Uh, Cyrus wrote that, and uh, he's out with The Young Messiah, which is the story of Jesus as a child, which has never been told, ever, in a movie form, or a TV form, for that matter. Uh, That'll be coming in theaters nationwide uh, on March 11th. Uh, Cyrus will be joining us in hour number three. All right, now let's get back to our weekly look at the uh, race to the White House 2016, which is suddenly um, becoming very, very clear. I mean, it is amazing how two weeks ago the media narrative was, wow, uh, Hillary's in big trouble, and the Republicans are going to a broker convention. That's what we thought two weeks ago. Now we're, we're, we're in a situation now, Leah, by the end of this week, both sides could be completely wrapped up. Correct. Um, and, and it might not even be close. Uh, now, uh, here's, here's what happened after the what should have been. Let's make no mistake. What should have been a campaign-ending debate for Donald Trump. Uh, he not just flip-flopped on the mandate. He got exposed on Trump University. He's not releasing his tax returns. His his statement that he's being audited because he's a Christian <laughs> should have been leading the Drudge Report for three days. Instead, it never even gets mentioned because Drudge, Drudge is totally in the tank for, for, for uh, Donald Trump for financial reasons. And Breitbart, uh, or some now call it Trumpbart.com, uh, the same way. They're in a symbiotic relationship with Drudge. So there's, it gets no traction. So, so the debate thing didn't get anywhere near the traction it should have, especially within the conservative media. And Trump plays, since he's a casino guy, he plays some extra cards that he has that no one else has. Because when it looks like you're going to be the winner, you have extra cards. And he plays... The Chris Christie card, which uh, most importantly changed the subject the day after the debate and created the further impression that Trump has unstoppable momentum that he's going to win. Now, let's look at Chris Christie for a second. I know it's painful, so I won't make you do it for long. Uh, you know, the thoughts. I don't have to see photos, though, so it's, it's, it's just radio, fine. right? But you're still the image of the Jerry Jones jiggle. I can never get out of my head uh, <laughs> with Chris Christie or many among many others. Uh, but here's the deal uh, with Chris Christie. He said on numerous occasions that mm-hmm. Trump is not qualified to be president, doesn't have the mm-hmm. temperament to be president, and that a vote for Donald Trump is a vote for Hillary Clinton. He said yep. that. Chris sure. Christie said that. And tweeted. Yeah. And, and he ends up endorsing him at the most critical juncture. Now, my first thought was, wow, Chris Christie has just guaranteed entry into the Democratic Party Hall of Fame because almost no Democrats could ever take credit, responsibility, 
or whatever you want to call it, for not one, but two Democrats getting elected president of the United States. Because you know, that's that, what, uh, that is a very good point. I mean, seriously, in the history of the Democratic Party, I can't think of one person who was this instrumental in two Democrats becoming president, and he's allegedly a Republican, not just a Republican, was the head of the Republican Governors Association. By well, the that way, says something, doesn't it? Which, by the way, so so how the hell does Trump get these endorsements now from establishment people like Chris Christie and the the Solik of the, the conservative Senate there in Alabama where you are, Jeff Sessions, and still not be the quote-unquote establishment? How is he not part of the evil establishment now? But I forget it, but I, I realize that's too much logic. So let's go back to Christie. So Christie makes this endorsement completely contradicting everything he ever said about Donald Trump. And doing so purely out of selfish reasons, purely because he now thinks Trump's going to win the nomination and he could theoretically. He needs a job. Right. He could. Well, he's still currently the governor of, of New Jersey, but well, he wants he's going to need one soon. He wants to be attorney general under, under Donald Trump. That's what he wants. And he also wants to stick it to Marco Rubio. Because, you know, he was thought to have gotten the better of that uh, exchange in the New Hampshire debate. But who was gone two days later? It was Chris Christie. Marco Rubio was the, the establishment darling. So, Oops. And, and by the way, what a, what a, what a utter D-bag. What a D-bag. D-bag. What, what a D-bag Chris Christie is. Apparently, Rubio called him after he dropped out and tried to be complimentary in a voicemail message saying, you've got a great future in politics or whatever it is that Rubio said. And apparently Christie, the egomaniac, took that as an insult that a 44-year-old was telling him he had a great future. Yeah, it's unreal. Uh, And by the Uh, way, speaking of such things, apparently Mitt Romney called Kasich and said, "Um, John, could you do us a solid and get the hell out of here because you're causing a major flipping problem. And Kasich basically told him, pound sand, buddy. Because I might be I might be the only guy standing once everybody else crumbles, and I might be VP, or at very least I'll still be running when we come to my home state of Ohio. The oh, selfishness, the, the narcissism—that's what it is. It's it's unbelievable. And, and uh, you know, I realize, and I've said this before, and probably sounds like a bro- broken record to you, but it's so true. I, but I say it because I've lived it. You know, I, I've lived that the whole quote-unquote Penn State scandal for four years, and what happened at Penn State was that nobody thought it was possible that this was going to happen, that this level of injustice could occur, and everyone looked at everyone else saying, well, you're going to stop it, right? No, no, no. You're going to stop it, right? No, I I don't need to step in front of this train. Someone else is going to stop it because there's no possible way this is going to happen. It's the exact same thing within the Republican Party. Everyone's looking around at everybody else going, well, I ain't getting in front of Aren't this. Are you going to do something? Uh, yeah, yeah, Who's going to do something? Yeah, yeah well, you, come on. You're going to spend a couple million dollars? How about you? Uh, Koch brothers, you got that $20 million you want to throw in? No? Uh, well, somebody's going to do it, right? Uh, somebody's going to attack Trump. Somebody's going to stop this insanity from happening. No. Because well, you're all... you know, he had his gun out, remember? He had his machine gun at the beginning of this campaign. And so you take a couple people out and everyone's terrified to jump in. Just like a mafia guy. Just He's a mob <laughs> boss. True. Donald Trump is a mob. In fact, he actually tweeted a threat to the owners of the Chicago Cubs because they were reportedly going to spend a couple million dollars on a super PAC against him saying, you better watch out. I know things about you. He's a well, flipping mob boss. Well, it is Chicago. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. But look, look, the, the, the cowardice, 
the narcissism, the selfishness. That is what is allowing this to happen. And Jeff, how, Leah, I know you're a huge Jeff Sessions fan. I he, love Jeff Sessions. Senator from Alabama, where you're doing the program. He endorses Trump tonight. Uh, first member of the U.S. Senate to do that. Tell me what's going through your mind over this. I was stunned. Uh, I mean, really, I was stunned because and and you know I've been looking at some of the reaction on Facebook and it's been well he gave up his principles before and we saw this coming. No, 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 that is one hundred percent false. Senator Sessions has been on the fighting amnesty train, the only man there doing it. He's the only person who read the TPP. He fought and fought for people not to vote yes on TAA. This guy, it I wanted 99 more of him in the Senate. So this is stunning to me. Now, the only... I'm trying to rationalize it. There is really no <laughs> rationale for Good this, luck. except for two things. Okay, number one, and you're going to knock both of these down, so I'm ready. Hit me, hit me, <laughs> hit All me. right, here comes number one. Jeff Sessions, we know, sat down with Donald Trump and created an amnesty plan. I'm sorry. <laughs> an amnesty plan? Boy, that would be news. Can we get that out there fast somewhere, Leah, please? <laughs> I don't think. Wow. Why, why don't we take two? Take two. Take two. Sat down with Donald Trump and created an immigration plan. Okay. Here's how it's going to go down. Here's how you're going to seal the border, yada, yada. So perhaps Senator Sessions, since that is one of his biggest priorities, is going all in on this because we don't know about everyone else. And he sees this momentum and he's like, okay. I know he he only he knows where Trump is coming from in that case, although I'm not buying anything that Trump's saying, but maybe <laughs> Sessions saw something else from him. OK, right. that's number one. So you number killed your two. first point yourself. What's your second point? <laughs> OK, number two, uh, maybe they're starting to be afraid of a brokered convention. Well, first of all, broker convention ain't going to happen now. Trump's going to win the nomination. And two, uh, what you have to fear from a broker convention is nothing in comparison to what you have to fear from Donald Trump uh, being your nominee. Uh, and I'll explain that later on in this hour. When we take a break, we'll we'll talk we'll talk about the state of the race and why it is that I'm so despondent about uh, what's now occurring with Trump's sanity. Uh, so please stay tuned. It's depressing, but it's important on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. And uh, we've been spending most of the evening so far talking about... Wallowing uh, in self-pity. Well, not really self-pity, but uh, you know, trying to go through a therapy session of how to deal with Trump's sanity. And here's why um, this is so serious. This is not theoretical anymore. Uh, this is real. And it's almost, almost a done deal. I'm not going to say done deal yet. Uh, we're in the 90, almost 90 percentile now. We're probably around 80-something that this is going to be where, how it ends up now. There still could be some twists and turns. But the reality is when all is said and done, uh, Donald Trump 
is going to be the Republican nominee uh, 80 to 90 percent of the times on the current path and the current scenarios. And here's why. I've said this for months, and it's turned out to be 100 percent true. Unless and until it's a two-person race, Trump cannot lose. That's right. a, that is a fact. That is not an opinion. He cannot lose. And I, mean, mm-hmm. I don't see the scenario where it becomes a two-man race soon enough to where he can even theoretically lose. And, right. But, and, In so many of those states, Trump, uh, uh, Cruz, and Rubio, if you add them together, they're beating Donald Trump. And look, <laughs> no one knows how it would play itself out if you got, for instance— Rubio versus Trump. I think Rubio would win for a couple of reasons. One, because the states after Tuesday are after Super Tuesday are much, much more in favor of Rubio than, for instance, Cruz. One of the fallacies of what we're going to hear from the Cruz people, the Cruz people are going to make this argument, Leah. Hey, we won Texas. We won (laughs) Iowa. Um, We were competitive in many of the Super Tuesday states. Rubio ought to get out because we have. He hasn't won anything. He hasn't won anything. And here's the fallacy of that argument. That might be a really good argument if you were going to be able to redo all the southern states one-on-one against Trump. But guess what? Those states are already over, and you lost almost all of them. And the states moving forward are horrible for Ted Cruz. So he has no argument that he should be the guy, but it's going to be too nuanced of an argument especially for a guy who's a religious zealot like Cruz, to be able to say, well, you're right, I've got no path, I'm going to get out. No, his people are going to stay with him because he's the true blue conservative. He won Texas, he won Iowa, and and you know Rubio's the amnesty guy in their minds. So he's not going to get out. Kasich has already said he's not going to get out uh. Uh, until he loses uh, Ohio. And so, and you know, Carson's just there trying to make money. And so the, the reality is this isn't going to be a two-man race. And, and, he, and I'm not a hundred percent sure how it breaks out if it's rubio trump i know you can make an argument either way i believe rubio wins because you know we way back when leah we made the analogy that this was like the abc television show the the bachelorette you know uh-huh. where you know there's 25 guys and a and a bachelorette and we're trying to figure out who's who's the one we're going to marry and something interesting happens in that and show and who are the bad boys we're going to spend some time with and then dump exactly so trump basically in, under that analogy under that metaphor trump was the bad guy bad boy that everyone thought there's no way he's going to get married right there's no way no, she's going to marry no him way. that's not going to no. happen and now now all of a sudden she's got a ring and they they book the caterer and we now know where the <laughs> hell the wedding is everyone's going what the hell what is going on here well mistake mistake but mistake but of course the more you tell her it's a mistake the more she wants it but so she's digging in right so but here's here's the the bachelorette analogy that somewhat works towards rubio's favor something interesting happens when you get to just two choices it's it makes it far more serious and people start going Wait a minute! I only have two choices, um, and this is for real. This is for life. This we just don't go on back. Uh, give me Rubio. <laughs> That's because Trump is awfully scary. Um, now we, unfortunately, I don't think we're ever going to get there. I'll explain further why uh, we're not going to get there. Unfortunately, when we return on the John and Leah Show, our website is www.freespeechbroadcasting.com. Thank you.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. In the next segment, we'll be talking about the Academy Awards. And in hour number three, we're going to be joined by a tremendous filmmaker who has an incredible movie about to come out about the life of Jesus Christ as a child called The Young Messiah. He is Cyrus Narasta. He'll be joining us in hour number three. Um, since we're playing the Rocky music, we ought to at least mention that Sylvester Stallone did not win no. his Academy Award tonight, which surprised me, not because his performance was all that Academy Award worthy. Just Give because, the guy an award. Right. Well, he did, he did <laughs> win for the original Rocky back in 1976. Now, he didn't win personally, but the movie did. Um, but I, I was surprised simply because I figured, they, you know, Hollywood loves the narrative so much that they would just fall in love with that that narrative, but apparently they didn't. Um, but anyway, we'll talk more about that next segment. I, I need to to wrap up uh, our look at the uh, race for the White House 2016 for this week uh, with some thoughts on where we are and why it is that I'm so confident that Trump is now eventually, and there still could be some twists and turns, and let's face it, you know, the news media is now in a weird spot because they were expecting this miniseries to go on maybe to May or June, and now it could be ending this week. So they're not ha- they're not going to be happy about that. They're going to be looking for reasons to keep this thing going. But the reality is there's at least an 80% chance that on this current trajectory, Donald Trump is going to be the nominee, and here's why. Here's why I know, Leah. I think it's higher than that. Well, I said at least. Okay, but here's how I know. We've already seen this movie before. We saw it in 2008. Yes, we did. In 2008, a guy no one gave a chance came out of nowhere because the media gave him unprecedented amounts of attention and the establishment didn't take him seriously. And he got ahead and he got ahead of momentum. And then all of a sudden came Reverend Wright. And we all had to make a decision. The media had to make a decision. The left had to make a decision. And the left, I remember this very, very well. This is, I made a movie about this called Media Malpractice. Here's what happened. The, a lot of the left started to freak out. Oh, my God, we're going to lose the general election. We can't possibly put up this guy with this crazy racist uh, preacher, Reverend Wright, with no experience. We're going to get killed. And in 2008, the mainstream news media said, um, left. Don't worry about it. We we got you. We we, we yeah. got we got your back on this. And they're That's like right. they're like seriously? You're, you're seriously gonna you're gonna let us let us pass with this guy? Yeah yeah. One hundred percent. No no we got this we got this. He's black. It's tremendous history. Um he's good for you ratings. You booed God at the convention anyway. Yeah, don't worry about yeah, it. Yeah, seriously don't <laughs> don't sweat it. We got it. Really? No no we we do. We got it. And sure enough, the media had it, had his back. Uh, McCain you know, wimped out, didn't want to bring Reverend Wright up. The Drudge Report was totally in the tank. And at that point, the Democrats were actually locked in to him as the nominee. The irony of the Reverend Wright situation is it clinched Obama the nomination. I know. I know. It absolutely did because at that point, if you got rid of him, you would have pissed off black people to the extent they wouldn't have voted Democrat again for a generation. So he had to win. And by the way, people forget. People forget this all the time. After Reverend Wright, Hillary kicked Obama's ass in, uh, in unprecedented uh, fashion in numerous states. But the media said, we're not listening. We've stopped listening. We've declared him the nominee. We have our guy. Forget about it, Hillary. Sorry. 
And disenfranchised. Too bad. Yeah, no, it was literally disenfranchised. (laughs) They took away your delegates in Florida. They took them away in Michigan. Sorry. Um, Better luck next time. And, and, And that's basically where we are with the Republicans. Drudge is controlling the narrative, so nothing can go wrong for Trump. Nothing. We've seen it in the last few days. I mean, with the tax returns and everything else that happened with the debate, there's, there would have been numerous narratives for the conservative media to have a drum beat on and for to Drudge to be you know, having the siren go off. Nothing, because he's now in Obama territory. He's protected. So even if bombshells go off, no one's going to notice right now. Yeah, and the other similarity is the people that are following them, because the people that follow Barack Obama (laughs) couldn't take any criticism on social media. It's totally emotional. Their supporters are totally emotional. So rationality means nothing. Facts means facts mean nothing here. This is not about logic. This is about emotion. And so in 2008. Obama cruises to the nomination, even though he gets his ass kicked by Hillary numerous times after Reverend Wright in states that that really should have changed the entire momentum of the race and the entire narrative. But the media just said, no, 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 no. And now we're in a situation where look at the media incentives, the conservative media large parts of it, who only care about making money, they want Trump to be the guy because he's best for ratings. And yes. It doesn't matter if he wins. If he somehow wins the presidency, that's great, too, because it's going to be an amazing story. And if he loses, we get Hillary to beat around for four or eight years. The conservative mm. media wins. What's the left-wing media incentive on the current GOP race? It's very similar. They love Trump because of ratings, and they also love Trump because they know he's going to get his ass kicked by Hillary. Correct. So but between now in November, they'll get some great ratings. Right, exactly. They win both ways. It's going to be a fantastic rating season through November, plus we're going to get our girl in. Uh, We'll have the first female president. She's uh, you know, consistent with our agenda. There's no All the money we paid her foundation. We're going to get so much back. So both the conservative media and the mainstream liberal media have incentives to protect Donald Trump for now. The problem becomes... The big difference, the big difference between 2008 and 2016 is the moment Trump is officially the nominee, he no longer gets the Obama treatment. All of a sudden, and here's what's going to happen, folks. Let's be very clear about this. In July, he's taking the stand in a deposition in a federal civil lawsuit involving Trump University. Now, yeah. that, that is going to be a massive news story unless he pays a ridiculous amount of money for that to go away. We now also have the issue of his taxes, which eventually he's going to have to release, and I am certain have some sort of a bombshell in them. Now, are they a bombshell that would only hurt him in a Republican primary? Maybe. But there's still going to be something in there that's going to make him look bad in a general election. We're also going to have the Trump convention. And this is something no one's talking about, Leah, and it's driving me crazy. The Trump convention has the potential to be a clusterfuck of epic historical proportions. I will talk in later weeks on the John and Leah show in detail about why I strongly believe that. But just think about it for a second. Just because of the white trash uh, element there. Why? The Why? Um, who's going to speak 
What I, I have visions of the, the opening ceremonies having Howard Stern revisiting his fart man character coming down from the rafters to introduce Donald Trump at the beginning of the Republican convention. I mean, and there will be some WWE going down somewhere because oh, you know he loves that. Uh, he, he's going to make Obama's 2008 Greek columns look puny <laughs> in comparison. This is going to be Trump-tastic in every possible way. There is no way way that convention goes off without a hitch no way and it has enormous potential for disaster so extra gaudy uh, oh not just in the gaudiness <laughs> i mean the politics of so so how are you gonna you're gonna have ann coulter speak you're gonna have sarah palin speak you're gonna have alex jones the conspiracy nut job 9-11 conspiracy theorist david duke uh, uh, david, david duke could be there well you know i'm not sure he's on the list but i mean he didn't get disavowed uh i mean nope. the, the, the reality is what you got trump university you got the convention, you got the taxes, uh, you you you've got just all of this this data from decades of him never dreaming he was going to be president of the United States. Where all of a sudden the media is going to have a very different spin on it, and the debates. By the way, the other thing the other, I love this: people think he's going to kick her ass in the debates. Mm-mm. Really, Mm-mm. really? Did you just watch what happened on Thursday when he was down to five? Instead of 10, he got slaughtered. When he goes head-to-head with a woman... He, yeah, he won't be able to slam him like he... Liars. Right. Shocker. Big ears. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know... Uh, he won't be able to do that, that stuff. And that's his tell from Vegas, Mr. Right. Casino Man. That's his tell. Not, Whenever someone gets him and he knows he's on the spot, or they, they hit him where it hurts and it's the truth... Boom! Out comes the insult. It's like he can't right. help himself. And how is the media going to react once he insults Hillary Clinton personally or physically? It's over. It's going to be totally different than when going after Marco Rubio's ears or or any of the other stupid things that Donald Trump has done on personal insults. You're allowed to personally insult male Republicans. You even, yeah. even got away with it with Carly Fiorina, sort of, because she's a Republican. You're not going to do that to a female Democrat. Also, by the way, more importantly... When you're a one-on-one debate, the answers are three minutes. Three minutes, not 30 seconds. He, he can't talk for three minutes. <laughs> with, with, he has no well, he's smart. You know, he knows that person. That person's a friend of his. Everybody's a friend of his, and he's really smart. <laughs> and America is going to I got a plan. Win. I got a plan. I got We're a plan. Gonna a plan, a plan. <laughs> We're going to make America great again. We're going to build the wall. Build the wall. Okay, Mr. Trump, you still have two minutes and 45 seconds for your answer. We're going to build the wall. <laughs> We're going to build the wall. I mean, that is not going to work. You can't fake it in a one-on-one Debate as especially as a Republican with the media taking the side of the other person, it's yep. not going to work. Uh-uh. It, it's going to collapse on top of itself. And that's by the way, if the Republican Party even supports him, which they're, the New York Times is reporting doesn't even look like it's going to happen. That they're going to just basically abandon him. Uh, it's just amazing. It's just it's just amazing. All right. Um, I, I, my blood pressure is too high to continue to discuss this topic. So I've when got we, nine and one dialed already. Okay, well, we'll be okay, because when we come back, we'll talk a little bit, bit about the insanity that was the most politically correct Academy Awards in history, and then our good buddy uh, Cyrus Narasta will join us in hour number three of the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.
Welcome back. This is the John and Leah Show. My name is John Ziegler. My co-host is Leah Brandon. Our website is freespeechbroadcasting.com. In hour number three, we're going to be joined by one of our favorite people, writer-director Cyrus Narasta, best well-known probably at this point for the path to 9-11, but he'll very soon be well-known, hopefully extremely well-known, for the movie he has about to come out called The Young Messiah, about the life of Jesus Christ as a child. That's coming up in hour number three. But first, speaking of movies, tonight obviously is the Academy Awards. And, Leah, you know, we've joked before that The Onion, the parody news site, is going to eventually have to go out of business because it's impossible to parody the actual news now. Oh, they could never make it up like it is now. They couldn't. And if you tried to make up an absurd controversy that encapsulates the silliness of Hollywood and the political correctness of liberal culture, you could not possibly have done better than this bogus controversy involving not enough blacks being nominated for Academy Awards. Now, this thing got uh, a lot of life on Twitter, which, of course, as you have always stated, means it's overplayed immediately. Because, uh, you know, somehow, if a bunch of people tweet about something, the rest of the media goes, oh, my God, That's right. we have to react to this, even and though <laughs> most of the time it's really not that big of a deal. So so the, the hashtag, you know, Oscars so white became Ugh. became popular. So ABC, this is this is the part that cannot be parodied. So ABC is broadcasting the Oscars tonight. During the quote-unquote pregame show, the pregame show is hosted by Robin Roberts. She's black and a yes. woman, by the way. Um, pseudo co-host Michael Strahan. Mm. He's black. Yeah. Um, we learned, I didn't even know this, and she was interviewed during the pregame show, the president of the Academy is a black female. Correct. Uh, almost everybody they interviewed, and by the way, interviewed them about this subject, almost everybody they interviewed in that pregame show to the Oscars was black. I mean, they would do the movie star followed by some black people, more you know, than somebody else was nominated followed by another black person. Uh-huh. Uh, they had almost every black person in Hollywood. I, th- I thought Jimmy Dynamite Walker was going to make a comeback uh, and do an interview uh, on the Oscars broadcast. I mean, anybody that was black, they immediately, and then by the way, it was Wait, 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 wait. Oh, you're black. You're in. You know, you, come, you know, Random you black job? people. Hey, hey, come on. Can we get you in camera? Random black people being interviewed on the uh, pregame show for the Oscars. And by the way, in very serious tones. I mean, Robert Roberts was like, well, we don't want to celebrate tonight. We just we want to make sure people understand the seriousness of this issue. And then, of course, <laughs> the, it's, the actual broadcast is hosted by whom? Chris, Chris Rock. Chris Rock, who's like the blackest comedian that there is. He's very good, yes. very funny. Um, and, you know, and of course, he had no choice. He was basically invited to eviscerate the Academy on this bogus issue, which, of oh, course, yeah. he did in the most predictable way possible, both in his monologue and in not one, but at least two that I saw pre-taped skits that were, you know, it's it, come on, people. Let's let's examine the absurdity of this. We're talking about. Oscars, if this is really the last bastion of racism, I guess we've done pretty damn well. Because by the and by the way, there is no flipping racism. Tell me who didn't get nominated that deserved to. Will Smith did a nice job in Concussion, but the movie bombed. It bombed. So just he, because you're in a role doesn't mean you get nominated. Yeah, well, apparently it's if you're black, you're supposed to. I mean, you know, the perfect analogy here is. 
Not one white person was named to the NBA All-Star game this year. The only white Well, there was a big demonstration about that. (laughs) NBA All-Star So White was a very popular hashtag. Um, But the only white person that got in the game was as a replacement, and he wasn't even American white. So, and no one makes a, a, a... Boo about that, nor should they, because there's a mistake here. The the primary mistake, other than the absurdity of the issue, is the notion that somehow there's that equality of opportunity and equality of outcome are the same. same. They're not the same. Well, you're in the wrong world. Uh, Apparently so, because apparently we now have to have equality of outcome. Otherwise, there's inherently a problem. And by the way. If you look at it historically, it's not outside the especially recent times. It's not outside the the demographic numbers of blacks and number of nominations in major categories. And by the way, um, let's be serious about this. Take a look at some of the blacks who have won Academy Awards and look at their careers afterwards. Jamie Foxx, Kobe Gooding Jr., Halle Berry. They haven't done squats since they won. So maybe too many black actors have won Academy Awards. It, 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 this is asinine. And you know, the uh, thing is, it's not about the nominating process because that's the next step. So let's say... That, uh, you know, we up, let's say it's even, even white and black nominated, but more whites win. Then what? Well, that's not, we're not going to allow that. That will, that is an injustice inherently because we have to have, we have to have equal outcome. There has to be an not just equal opportunity. We have to have equal outcome, um, which, of course, is, by the way, the death of our society. If, if that's truly where we're headed, and we are, obviously, if it's even in the Oscars, then it's over. Because this yeah. was this country was based on the equality of opportunity, not forced, fake equality of outcome on something that doesn't even matter. I, <sighs> It's now, almost like there's an idea that it's a whole setup, <laughs> you know? <laughs> oh, in other words, uh, I see what you're saying. In other words, the presumption is, hey, look, we all know this isn't real anyway, so why can't yes. more blacks win? Uh, well, <laughs> what I love, or I mean that facetiously, is so they, to remedy the problem, they're going to take away the votes of all the old white people as if they're <laughs> inherently true. racist. That's true. I mean, that's the solution. You know, and by the way, Folks, don't you think we're not that close to that happening in politics? We are, because once this happens here, I mean, this is voting for Academy Awards. It's not that much of a leap to something like that happening, voting for stuff that really matters. You know what? We're not having enough black politicians, so we're going to take away the votes of yes. white people. By the way, we're already living. We're already trying to do that. Well, effectively, we already have that. Gerrymandering. No, we already have that, not just through gender- gerrymandering. We already have that in the Electoral College because the That's Electoral true. College counts millions of illegal immigrants who aren't allowed to vote. So those people actually – people. there are millions of illegal immigrants – here in California, where I'm broadcasting from, who have a far greater impact on a presidential election than citizens do in most of the states in the country. I mean, that's where we are, folks. And look, it's a fun thing. It's a cotton candy deal. I mean, I'm curious. By the way, I don't even know. Did the did the 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 Leo win for the Revenant? He just did. Yes, I looked up. And there was yet another white guy you know, with an God. award. Well, thank God. Thank God something has finally gone right in Leonardo DiCaprio's life because, you know, he's only... It's been 
awful. It's been a terrible life of going through Victoria's Secret models and getting paid 10 or $20 million to say what other people have written for him to say. And, oh, by the way, be insanely famous and rich. And, by the way, did I mention the Victoria's Secret models? And now, finally, finally, his life is complete. He has an Academy Award. Justice has finally been done. Thank God. Justice has been done. Enjoy it, white guy. It's your last one ever. (laughs) Cyrus Narasta coming up in hour number three on the John and Leah Show on the Free Speech Broadcasting Network.